Hey, I'm so glad you guys are here tonight. If you are excited to be here, say, yeah. Yeah. Good, good. Tonight is going to be awesome. I want to do something so exciting tonight. I want to welcome both of our campuses, Noonan and LaGrange. Tonight, we open our permanent campus in the city of LaGrange. Can you guys give a big praise the Lord for that tonight? That is exciting. I went up there last night, got to pray with many of our folks from LaGrange. We are praying that every single week, just like here at Noonan, people walk into that campus and they have an encounter with Jesus Christ. And I just tell you, that just gets me fired up. I want to tell you something else, too, that we ought to celebrate. Beginning tonight and forevermore on Sunday mornings, we are live on the web. If you go to southcrest.church forward slash live, Music, teaching, everything on Sunday mornings, 9 30, 11 o'clock. Now we can take our services to the whole world. We're excited about that. Glad you guys are here tonight on Good Friday. If you are a guest here, you are probably thinking, wow, this church must know something I don't know. There's a lot of excitement in this room tonight. We are here to celebrate Good Friday. It's not a bad Friday. I know the world wants us to think it's a bad Friday, but it's really not a bad Friday. It's a good Friday. And tonight, we are going to go to a place, and from that place, we're going to see something God did that forever changed the world that made Good Friday so good. So if you have a Bible, I want you to take to a passage real quick, Matthew chapter 26. If you have a smartphone, open your smart Bible, right? Because if it's a smartphone, it should be a smart Bible. So open your Bible. We want to look at just a few verses tonight. And as you're turning there, uh, I want to make a statement to you about what we're going to talk about. Pressure is a part of life. Pressure is a part of our existence. And what I want to talk to you about tonight is this. The power is in the pressure. Everyone say the power is in the pressure. Now, some of you don't realize this or not, and I don't know this very much either because I'm not really good at planting and watering, making things grow, but there is a certain pressure that goes into a seed when it's stuck into a ground. It's called turgor pressure, and when the turgor pressure is greater than the pressure of gravity, something comes out of the ground and grows. Pressure is a part of life. If you wouldn't have had pressure tonight, you wouldn't have had air in your tires. You wouldn't have never made it here to Good Friday. It would have been a bad Friday. Right? If the turgor pressure, if, if the pressure's bad in your tires, pressure is a part of our life. And there's power that's in the pressure. Now, here's what's crazy about our society. We struggle sometimes with the pressures we face in this world, don't we? We struggle with the things that happen to us that seem to press us, that seem to destroy us, or seem to press against us in our life. But here's what I also know about pressure in our life. When we are pressed, Actually, some good things happen to us if we let them. For instance, I've met people who was pressed by cancer before. And they said, I never understood how important my family was until I walked into a doctor's office and a doctor said, you have cancer. And then suddenly I realized that the pressure of this disease has caused me to produce something in my life that says, you know what, my family's important. I've met people that went through difficult times with a job loss or a family loss or a marital situation. And here's what they said. It was so hard to go through. But because of the pressure, I became something out of it. You see, here's why I know pressure is big in our culture. Because people go to the gym. And when you go to the gym, you pick up weights. Why? Because you believe that by exerting pressure, your muscles and your body will be fit and it will grow. 
pressure is part of life, and there's power that's in the pressure. But I want you to think about this. Imagine the last week of Jesus. Jesus had gone into the city of Jerusalem. We celebrated it last Sunday. And as Jesus went in in a triumphal entry, the people were asking, who is this? And the crowds were saying, this is Jesus. And then he spends all week in the temple and he spends all week saying all these things to all of his followers and explaining to them that, hey, I'm gonna die. And then finally he ends up on a Thursday night in an upper room with his greatest, closest followers, his disciples. And he says, guys, this will be the last time we have the supper until you see me in the kingdom of heaven. And I'm gonna go away and they're going to kill me. And at that point, Peter stands up and he says, no, Jesus, they're never gonna kill you. I'm not gonna let that happen to you. And Jesus says, you don't understand, Peter. There's power in the pressure. There's power in the pressure. And right after that moment in Matthew 26, starting with verse 36, we pick up this moment in Jesus' life. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that was James and John, along with uh, him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Now think about that. Jesus literally had just told him, I'm gonna die. Peter says, no, you're not. We're gonna save you. Jesus said, every one of you are gonna turn your back on me. And then he goes to a garden and he says this to his followers. Guys, I am so messed up about what's about to happen to me that I'm overwhelmed to the point of death. I'm sure at that point, his followers were like, man, this is about to get crazy. Imagine the pressure Jesus felt. Verse 39, going a little farther, He fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. And then he returned with his disciples and found them sleeping. Now that is something to think about. Jesus says, I'm hurting so bad, I'm gonna die. You guys stay here and pray. And he comes back and they're sleeping. Jesus went on, he says, couldn't you men keep watch over me for one hour? He asked Peter, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation and the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went away a second time and he prayed. He said, my father, if it's possible for this cup to be taken away from me, unless I drink it, may your will be done. And when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. And so he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time saying the same thing. And then he returned to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come. The Son of Man is to be delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Jesus in a garden. The Garden of Gethsemane is a really interesting place. It's it's really located between what's called the Kidron Valley and the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives was special because Jesus would go up there a lot, but this place was special. In fact, according to the book of Luke, Luke tells us that Jesus prayed there often. So Jesus was familiar with this place. It was a place where he got alone with the Father a lot. The word Gethsemane means olive press. And in this garden, when you go in, it's literally full of olive trees. 
Back in those days, olives was a huge part of the economy and a great commodity in their land. If you were someone who pressed and sold olive oil, you probably had a really good job. It was worth a lot in those days. But the night before Good Friday, Jesus finds himself back in a familiar place and he goes there and he gets alone with the Father and he has a conversation. And what the world sees as one of the most difficult moments in Jesus' life actually produced power for you and me. In fact, it actually produced power that forever changed the world. And the part that Satan didn't understand is this. Pressure only produces more power. I want to talk about that tonight. You see... When you would take an olive and you would press it and you would get oil, you would take the tree and you would shake it. Sometimes they would come and they would bang it with sticks and all the the olives would come down. And when the olives would come down, they would jump them together and they would go put them in this basin. And when they would put them in this round basin, they would take a millstone and stick it inside the basin and then tie a mule to the millstone. And literally, he would begin to go around and around crushing the olive. And as he crushed the olive, the olive began to kind of disintegrate and they would take the olives and they would scoop them up and they would put them in a large burlap sack. And after all, all the olives were crushed and they were, they were picked up and they were put in this burlap sack, they were stuck on what was called a press. And then all of a sudden, they would take what was called a Gethsemane and they would put this heavy weight upon the olives, and all of a sudden, the olives would start to be pressed, and they would start to give oil. And there was a point behind that. The weight of the burlap bag was pressed, and the oil would come out, but every time that they would press olives, they would press them three times. Three times. The first time they pressed them, it produced extra virgin olive oil, which was used to light the Jewish temple. The very first oil that came from the olive belonged to God. They would gather it up and they would go light the temple and light the candles. The second press was used to create medicines that would heal up and bind up wounds. It had medicinal purposes, that second pressing that would come. And then there would be a third pressing. And that pressing produced oil that was used to make soap so that things could become clean. Jesus, the night he spent at the Garden of Gethsemane to the moment that we celebrate tonight of Good Friday, went through three pressings that changed the world. I want to talk about those tonight. I want to talk about these three pressings. The first one is this, the pressure of a garden. The pressure of a garden. The Bible tells us in Luke 22, Jesus got in the garden and when he began to pray to the Father, he prayed so hard and so intently that he sweat drops of blood. Now you say, is that possible? It actually is. There's a medical term for it. It's called hematridrosis. And it literally means that the pressure inside of you is so great that that the the pores in your body begin to burst and rupture and, and the vessels begin to rupture and you can actually bleed out. From this condition, Jesus, in Luke 22, it tells us that he prayed so hard. He got before the Father. And here's what I think must have been on Jesus' mind. 
these people that I'm about to die for have been robbed and stolen and deceived since a garden. And tonight, I'm gonna go back to a garden and I'm gonna remind Satan, Satan, I'm about to crush your head. Jesus sweat drops of blood. He said, Father, can you take this cup from me? I often ask the question, what is that cup? A cup represented a portion. And Jesus says, God, can you, is there any way you could do something? To, is there any way? And here's what he was contemplating. That he was going to drink the cup of God's wrath for all the sin of all mankind. Every time you and I want to pick our sin back up and try to drink it ourselves, we need to remember the garden because the pressure Jesus went through in the garden said, you don't have to pick up the wrath of God anymore. And I want to remind you, this is truly the first shedding of Jesus' blood. It didn't happen through Roman soldiers. It happened through him praying before Father, saying, God, there's this incredible pressure on me, and, and I'm about to experience what it looks like to take on the idea that he who knew no sin was going to become sin for us so that we could experience the power and grace and goodness of God. The pressure of a garden. But I love it because when Jesus was pressed in the garden, you know what came out? These words. Not my will, but your will be done. You see, Jesus was pressed in a garden and what came out of him was a reminder that God, I am surrendering to you whatever you want to do through me because you love these people. Remember what I said a few moments ago when the olive was pressed, the first press went to the Jewish temple, to light the temple. At this moment, Jesus was pressed in the garden. You know what was produced for you and I through that pressing in a garden, that first pressing of the olive, that first pressing of Jesus? The ability to have light. Light. Think about it. Back then, the olive oil was used to light the Jewish temple. Guess who the temple is now? You and me. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. When Jesus was pressed in a garden, what it really produced for you and I was the ability to always live and walk in light. We don't have to walk in darkness anymore. Can I get an amen? We don't have to walk in confusion anymore. We don't have to walk around going, man, the culture says this, but the cross says this. No, 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 no. We get to walk in light. Some of you here today, you're like, man, I feel like my life is full of darkness. And I want to tell you that the day you give your life to Jesus, he gives you the ability to walk in light. What was pressed out of Jesus produced for us light. There's a second pressing that happened. I call it the pressure of a public scourging. Now, we don't know the word scourging a lot in our days, but basically it meant when somebody was convicted of something, they would take them publicly and they would literally scourge them. They would beat them. They would publicly humiliate them. And Matthew 27 tells us that Jesus, when he left the garden, was arrested, went to go stand before a man named Pilate. And Pilate was this de facto governor, Roman governor. He didn't want to be in Jerusalem. He was kind of like, I'm going to wash my hands of these Jewish people. They're kind of weird. They bring Jesus in and goes to the crowds and says, hey, guys, I can release Jesus or I can release Barabbas. And the crowd that five days later was yelling, Hosanna, yells these words, give us Barabbas. Crucify Jesus. 
The Bible tells us there at that point, Pilate looked at Jesus and he said, have him flogged. And at that point, they took a leather strip and they took bones and glass and tied it into the ends and they put Jesus across a piece of wood and they threw this cat and nine tails across his back. In fact, the first 39 lashes, the first 10 lashes they did on the chest. And then they would flip the victim over because Romans were so cruel and they would literally beat him till his back was like hamburger meat. And they would beat them 39 times. It was called 39 lashes. And Jesus went through every bit of this. Why? Because God was saying, if I, if I press you, Jesus, something's going to come out of you. And the pressure of this public scourging, Jesus being rejected by the people that said, we want you, Jesus, being beaten by the people who didn't even know who he was, humiliated publicly. The second press that Jesus faced through this scourging, you know what it created for you and I? Healing. Healing. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, 5, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds, we are healed healed this pressing on Jesus produced the ability for you and I to experience healing we don't have to live wounded lives anymore we don't have to live broken lives anymore not only can we experience the light of God's presence but now through his public scourging we can experience healing crazy when I think about it. All the times in my life, I thought, Jesus, I wonder if you're big enough to handle this. And every time I go back to the cross and every time I go back to Jesus being beaten for my sins, there's what I realize. He already did. Through his stripes, we are healed. But you know, there was a third pressing that happened in Jesus before he got to Good Friday. It was called the the pressure of a cross. The pressure of a cross. This final pressure was probably the most difficult pressure. The pressure of crucifixion meant that he would be publicly nailed on a tree and would be set there to suffocate. I was thinking about this because I don't know if you've ever been somewhere where someone choked on something. But the idea that when someone can't breathe, and they began to asphyxiate because of the weight that Jesus was hanging on that cross. The pressure on his lungs, the pressure on his body was immense. But God used crucifixion to do something amazing for you and I. He used it to deliver us from the power of sin. You remember the first pressing was it gave light to the temple. The second pressing was it gave us healing. That second press was for medicinal purposes. But this third press was the press that they would press the olive to create soap. And this soap had the power to cleanse and to wash things. And here's what this third pressing of Jesus produced for us. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Cleansing from our past, our present, and our future sin. No more sacrifice. No more splitting bulls and sticking them on altars. No more rushing a high priest in one time a year and hoping he doesn't die behind the curtain. 
It was forever going to be the cleansing of our sins. Peter said it this way in 1 Peter 2.24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. If anyone would have known and would have seen that, it would have been Peter. Peter understood because he had denied Christ that when Jesus hung on that cross, Jesus was bearing our sins. Why? So that we could be cleansed, so that we could have real forgiveness. Think about it. From a garden to Good Friday, what Jesus did. That pressure of a garden, that pressure of a scourging and a beating, that pressure of a cross produced for us light, healing, forgiveness. The power's in the pressure. Jesus said these words, and we're gonna close. John 12, 24. He said this to his followers before he left. He was explaining to them why he was gonna die, and he was trying to help them understand there's power in the pressure. And he said this in John 12, verse 24. He said, very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed But if it dies, it produces many seeds. I want to say something real encouraging to you tonight. I don't know what pressure you're going through. I don't know what your job situation is. If you're like, man, Sean, on Tuesday, I'm going to get fired. I don't know what your your marital situation is. Maybe you're just living in marital bliss. Maybe you're living in like marital hell. I don't know. But here's what I know. Everything Jesus went through, from a garden to a good Friday, had the power of pressure to produce something for you and I. He said, I'm gonna take my body and I'm gonna die and I'm gonna go to the ground and through my death, I'm gonna produce something that can't be done. Think about it. Three days, Jesus was about to come out of the grave. You talk about some pressure buildup. The pressure's building. Because in three days, Jesus came out of the grave and forever changed history. I want to ask you to pray with me tonight. 